Hi, my name is Lydia. And I'm Emma. And we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long, Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship, where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Holy Ship podcast. We're so happy that you are joining us for another episode. Today, we are joined by the wonderful Brandi Harris, um, who is a professional, professional counselor, author, speaker, teacher, and coach. Personally, she's a mom of three kids, a wife, a friend, and a follower of Jesus. She has been practicing counseling for 15 years and published her first book in 2015, kicking off a round of parenting classes and teaching gigs. Before that, she coached swimming and taught human development for a local university. She's also done a few random things like playing roller derby and shaving her head. She no longer has a belly button and she's just a fun human who makes mistakes and then tries to recover. Her three books are Grace for Parents, Love Well, and The Truth About Holy Sex. So without further ado, welcome Brandy to the podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, to start off, can you just tell us a little bit more about like who you are and why you ended up like going into counseling and why you're now talking about sex? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I I actually just started as a coach. I think it said that in my bio. Um and while working for a university, they offered me tuition remission to get more education and help compensate for the money I was not making coaching. <laughs> and I accepted because I thought, yeah, I'd like to get something for all this work I'm putting in. Ended up going through their master's program and really loved it and found that counseling was a better fit for family life for me than coaching. Um, just Coaching is all nights and weekends, which is the time that you have with your kids at home, if you if you have kids at home. And so wanted a, a career that could support me a little bit better with what I wanted to do with my life. So made the switch over and then <clears throat> have been practicing since then. Um, I started in 2007 and I, I really, I, I didn't dive into sex education or sex um, counseling on purpose at all. It really just was a something that happened as people started to come to talk to me and, and had questions and concerns and trauma often um, regarding sexuality. And so just kind of followed their lead um, and wanted to keep up with the current research on sexuality. Um, so that I could give them accurate information and support them well. And loved doing that work, especially with a more conservative population, um, because it always just breaks my heart when people who love Jesus have very poor information or have been harmed in any particular area. And so found that that was actually a, a niche that I could fit into for, for the population that I serve. Um, not all of my clients are are Christian necessarily, but all truth is God's truth. So when you speak the truth, whether it comes out of a science textbook um, or out of the Bible, it's still a blessing to people. And, um, you know, I, I believe that God 
loves the truth because he is the truth. So um, any direction we come from can be very healthy with sexuality if we're aiming for the truth. Um, so yeah, that's how I got here. And then um, the biggest thing was about a year, about a year ago, my church came to me and said, hey, I, I think we could really, we would really like some sex education within our church specifically. And is there something that you could do? And um, I rallied several people that I know and love and said, let's do this together because there's no way I can do it by myself. And I had, um, you know, several other women and a few men jumped on board and we produced the curriculum and created a workbook and then taught the class last fall. Um, it was a six week class and we had 120 people who showed up. It was really impactful for our community, um, the way that people were able to have conversations without shame and learn more accurate biblical scholarship, as well as some really incredible um, science that just on honestly glorifies God in the way that we as humans are complex. So um, it was great. It was great for our whole church. And we went ahead and published the workbook so that we could give it to other people as well. And now I've just been in the process of trying to really educate anybody who wants to listen. So um, you guys are just one of the many that I've been, one of the many channels I've, I've tried. Now, is that workbook the same as you're ready to talk about sex guide or is that like completely different? It's separate from that. Okay. So the guide is just like a free, it's a free PDF that you can get on my work works uh, on my website. Um, but the book, I, I, I brought the book. I can show y'all. I know your podcast is just not be able to see it, but um, the workbook is, I mean, gosh, it's pretty thick here. It's about 150 pages, um, but it's a, it's a journal in workbook. So you, it's written as a, you know, there's narrative in there, but then there's also space in the margins to journal and process the questions that I'm asking. Um, and then there are also prompts for if you wanted to do a small group using the workbook, or if you wanted to use it for your church, you know, it can be produced in a large scale. Um, and then there's lots of individual homework questions and um, just journaling prompts to, to work through how you're feeling and what's happening with you. And, and even really to look at whatever damage you might have. <laughs> if you have some injuries from things that you've been taught or or the, just that the culture has taught you, um, then it's an opportunity to work through all of those things. And the the PDF guide on my website is is really just like the beginning. It's the very beginning of get your feet wet and, and see how this works for you. And then the workbook is a deeper dive, a um, lot more resources there for people to work through everything. So. Okay. I'm actually really excited about this workbook. I'm going to have to order it. <laughs> Yeah. I like, I have to take notes in all of my books and people think I'm crazy because I absolutely like destroy books after reading them. Yes. Um, but I love that it has it like worked in there. That you can actually yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, well, we should start a small group about this. Oh, I hope you do. I, you know, this really would be so fun. <laughs> One be of the most idea. powerful things that happens is that once people start having conversations um, with no shame, there is so much healing that comes from just being able to look people in the eye and, and talk about things. I mean, even without anything else, just if that's all you did was open the door to say, it's okay for us to be humans. It's okay for us to hurt. Um, it's okay for us to be excited. You know, just that kind of open door of vulnerability with one another is really good for community and connection and community and connection are really good for healing. So it, it works back and forth. 
Yes. Couldn't agree more. That's like why we started the podcast and the mission behind this. So, so true. Just love this. <laughs> so yeah. Could you dive a little bit more into your ready to talk about sex guy? Just because I feel like it's a little more accessible for okay. yeah. people to get. Yeah. It's a great place to start. So First off, if anybody wants it, it's on my website, which is ittakesabreath.com. And the minute you click on the website, it'll give you a little pop-up that gives you a chance to to get the free PDF. Um, And really the goal with starting a conversation with sex is to find some safe people in your life. And I thought about this because you all sent me the questions in advance. I was like, well, how do you, you know, which friends do you pick? And what if you feel like you don't have any friends that are Mm -hmm. safe? Um, so we may have to go a little bit farther back in your process if that's the case for you. Um, but let's just say that the most important thing for you talking about this is to find people in the very beginning who you feel comfortable with, who won't judge you. And what I found in my life is the the safest people are the ones that are also vulnerable and transparent with me. So they have their own sense of self and they're, you know, decently stable emotionally um, and they have sent messages by the way that they live, that they're, they don't feel that they're better than me or, or worth more than me or, or have more to give than I have. Um, I love when people present um, very humble and acknowledging that they have both things to contribute to the world, but also limitations that they have. And those are my favorite people to process with. So, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I have a million friends, um, but I, I I have a lot of friends, but not all of them are safe people for me. I really kind of follow Jesus's model of um, the the one, the three, and the 12, you know, the the one being my father in heaven or or Jesus, the person who I, whom I connect with and can be a hundred percent transparent with. And then I have like my three, you know, like Jesus had his three that are my best friends, the ones that I can be completely who I am and completely transparent and they won't judge me. And then I have my 12, which is like my resource team. You know, I, they, those 12 sometimes gravitate into the three and out of the three, depending on their stage of life. Um, but those three really are the, my favorites. And um, most people have, I would say one or two, you know, sometimes that's a, sometimes it's a family member. Sometimes it's someone that you grew up with. Um, sometimes it's someone who doesn't live close to you, but you keep in touch with them or, or they're the kind of people that every time you talk to them, even if it's been two years, it feels like you haven't missed a day mm-hmm. because they know you that well and they, they love you well. Um, so those are great. I, I would say if you don't feel like you have any of those people, then you probably need to start chasing down some community connections. So on that note, how do you practically broach the topic of sex with yeah. those friends? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, some some people are lucky enough to have very vulnerable trans people, trans, transparent people who will start that conversation for you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're unafraid to bring up topics and that's helpful because once they've opened that door, you know <laughs> that they're comfortable and you can just join the conversation. Right. Um, but if you don't have anyone who's like that in your life, I, I think one of the best ways is to actually snag some research or some content produced by people who are not shaming about sex. And actually y'all's podcast is a great example of this, um, where you just pull up one of their posts and if it's caught your eye and you're interested in it. And all you do is just share it with your friend and say, what do you think about this? (laughs) 
And it doesn't have to be any more than that. It's just a tiny little prompt um, using somebody else's content to start their conversation. And if you're brave enough to say, this is interesting to me, you know, that kind of starts the ball rolling. Or you can say, you could even say, I don't like this. What do you think? And see if they respond. Um, but there are so many, there's so many good, I mean, Instagram alone produces actually a lot of really great content on this. I mean, besides y'all's podcast, I, I mean, I do Instagram as well. It's brandyk.harris. Um, you know, Esther Perel is a phenomenal sex researcher. Um, Sheila Gregory, who wrote The Great Sex Rescue, is a great um, researcher for believers. Um, and there are just so many other ones. I think it's like May's Women's Health is a great one. Um, I, <laughs> if you're if you're married, I really like Foreplay Radio. It's a good it's a good podcast and a good um, Instagram. You could follow you know any any of those. You just follow them and then and then share their stuff and say what do you think. I feel like there's so many great accounts, especially right now. I feel like it just kind of like exploded. Mm -hmm. And so like, this is how like we normally find people for the podcast and guests. And like, it's my favorite thing in the whole world. Cause I'm like, oh, there's a new account about this. <laughs> I'm like researching all their posts so much. Yes. Fun. <laughs> yeah. I think that's actually like a really good way. I would say to like broach the topic, especially mm -hmm. if you aren't really sure how to gauge it. And I feel like that's an easy way to just be like, what's going what on? It? Like, yeah. <laughs> Can you talk about this? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially with uh, friendships that are probably long distance as well. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a great starter yeah. too. I was just at an event with um, Sex Ed For You and like a lot of girls came and were like drawn to this event because they like didn't have people in their lives that they felt like they could talk to about this. And they saw this opportunity. They were like, yeah. And it was a really cool, just like everyone there was like wanting to talk about it. And so there's kind of that like, premise of the event already but then having like girls just like share their stories like ask questions we were like all like learning together it was yeah. such an incredible experience and she's doing more um of like those types of events in other cities so we'll have to start linking those yeah. just so that other people can go to that but it that. was so much fun oh my word yeah just like a common interest and the the door is already busted wide open for you like if you showed up here you were yeah. like fuck so right we can go ahead and begin without that extra awkwardness. <laughs> mm -hmm. Out of curiosity, Lydia, was this a Christian event or non-Christian event? No, it wasn't Christian. Um, but like a lot of people talked about, I would say like their experiences with Christianity and sexuality, just because mm -hmm. a lot of girls did grow up in purity culture or went to like a private, like Christian school for elementary and like, you know, like just like different things that like really impacted their views of sexuality. And while it wasn't like a Christian event I think it was definitely like really open to like talking about how faith's impacting that and how faith still is like involved in your sexuality so it was really cool yeah really cool. it would be really interesting to see a Christian organization have an event with that title but yeah. um just a thought so on that <laughs> note how can Christians follow God in their sex life uh, that's a great question. I think one of the things that I think about in following God with anything is, you know, you, you always start with God himself, like who is God and what is his character? And, and then the second question is, who am I and, and who has he created me to be? So, um, you know, sexuality is something that is born into people. It's not something that starts when you're 13 mm -hmm. or, 
you know, it's, it's, I mean, think about it. You develop your sexual parts in the womb. You know, you, you are already sexual before you're even born. Um, and even though you may not be erotically aware until later in life, that's something that starts really early. And I think that's something that people get, get wrong often. They think, um, you know, God is over on one end of the spectrum and sexuality is on the other. And so they're afraid if I take a step towards sexuality, that I'm taking a step away from God. And that is absolutely not true. So I have a, one of the things that I talk about in, in the, in the class that we taught and that you can purchase yourself, um, is that there's a little, um, continuum that says, um, general sexuality, specific sexuality, and then erotic sexuality. And, Mm -hmm general sexuality is is really something that we're talking about right now. We're talking about what it is and how it works. It's the science. It's the it's the basic things that we can talk about where we're not, we're not trying to arouse one another in this conversation. Yeah. We're just talking. We're just talking between human beings about how things work. Um, that's general sexuality. And in specific sexuality, that's like me personally, how am I wired? How do I work? How does my body work? How am I affected by sexuality? And then the last column is that erotic, um, erotic sexuality. And, and the erotic sexuality is really about your specific drive and desire. So things that are for you that do turn you on, which is just one part of sexuality. Mm-hmm. And when you draw that continuum, there are different audiences who fit in each one of those categories. So, you know, in your general, everybody, really, everybody who's respectful can fit in that category. As long as we're having a conversation generally where we're respecting one another and not talking over one another or being hateful or whatever, anybody could be in that. And when I taught the class, everybody was in the room and that's what we were talking about. You know, male, female, young, old, everybody can have that conversation together. Um, we can say words like penis and vagina and not freak out and look at turn away. And, you know, because penis and vagina are the same things as elbow and shoulder. They're just anatomy parts um, that work like a lot of other anatomy parts. Um, then that specific, that middle category, that's really going to be reserved for, for your safe people. Um, you're really safe people. You're not going to process that with everybody. And you're honestly probably not going to process that with, with anyone that you are erotically attracted to unless you are wanting to go deeper with them. So for me personally, processing with my female um, best friends, you know, I just had three other women that I was processing that specific sexuality with. Um, and, and, and that's it. And I didn't, I didn't include any other males besides my husband. I didn't, um, I didn't process with my mom, (laughs) you know, I just talked with my best friends there. And then on that far end, that erotic, um, the only person I was really processing that with was my husband actually. So I had conversations with myself and my, and my husband, but you need to know God exists in all three of those categories. He's involved in, created, is willing to have conversations about, is not ashamed about any of those things because he created them. They're good. They're designed to be good. He is available and ready to be a part of the conversation in the general, specific, and erotic categories. I can't even remember the question we started with. <laughs> I've gone yeah. on a route now. No, that was great because mainly that question was surrounding the idea that 
sex and God are like polar opposites Mm -hmm. and exist apart from each other. So yeah, yeah, I I loved your answer just, and, and we've been hearing this, you know, from a few of our other guests that we've had on the podcast as well It's just integrating for Christians, this holistic idea of God and, and sexuality and not keeping them so apart from each other um, because they're literally not, but um, yeah. yeah. So we were, we were doing an episode with Amanda Amons. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you followed her or not, Um, but she was talking about how like picturing God in the room when you're having sex. And like, if that brings up like some weird emotions, like there's probably some stuff you have to like work through to like realize that like God, like fully like wants you to be enjoying sex, like in your marriage and like having a great sex life. And when she said that, I was like, I have so much I need to work through. (laughs) Well, yeah, I love that. I I remember um, when I was in grad school, that was one of the questions that we were asked in our um, sexuality class, like being taught about how, about sexuality was how would you feel if God was, Jesus was in the room with you when you were even actually, I think they just said naked. If you were naked and Jesus saw you naked, how would you feel? And that by itself is very telling um, about about your sexuality, the health of your sexuality, the health of your body image, um, and how you feel about yourself and your own body and your identity. Um, It's very, I mean, it's very eye-opening. I would also, I mean, I kind of want to I, I don't know. I honestly, I've listened to a few of y'all's podcasts, but not all of them. So I, I don't want to overstep too much, but I, this makes me think about, you know, when earlier when I was talking about erotic sexuality and I said that I'd only process it with myself and my husband, I think that sometimes we are under the impression that if you're not married, that like that erotic part of you doesn't exist. And that is just not true. Yeah. Um, we are erotic even without a spouse. So we are erotic way before our spouse. We are erotic without our spouse and we are erotic with our spouse if we want to be. Um, and to think about God as being erotic, this is this is even harder than saying God is connected to sex or God loves and appreciates sex. But I would say that God loves eroticism. And there's uh I mean you think about the book of Song, Song of Solomon it's incredibly erotic you know it is describing some very erotic things happening there you know fountains flowing and rivers and smells and all these things that are very sexual images very erotic imagery um that says to us that God not only is erotic but appreciates eroticism and that is a part of who he is and therefore we are invited to be connected with him through that. And I, I know that that's like, some of your listeners probably are going to go, nah, wait a second. <laughs> because anytime you go there, then there's questions about masturbation and uh, mm-hmm. just the idea that God is erotic, I think is important. Um, if you do, if you don't know Esther Perel, she's, she is a, I, I believe she's a secular researcher. I don't know if she's a believer or not, but Um, She's a phenomenal researcher. And one of the things that she has researched is eroticism. And she, when she refers to eroticism, she refers to it as a life force and which is kind of based on the, the, the root word, the Latin word or Greek word. I don't even know which one it is. The, The root of eroticism is this idea of a life force. And it makes sense because the things that are interesting and exciting and arousing to us 
related in a sexual content are erotic. And uh, as Americans, we, when we hear that word erotic, we honestly, I, I think of like trashy things, you know, I'm like, oh, that's gross. That's nasty. You know, or we associate it very quickly with pornography or um, mm -hmm. we want to just spin it into something bad, but at its core, it's not bad. Especially if you think about it as a life force, it's a beautiful part of who we are. It's a very powerful can drive us forward um, like a calling um, and can help us find our way. And I do believe God is involved in that. I don't, I don't think that's just a, a nasty desire or a sinful desire. I think that's a very good desire that pulls us towards good things or can. Yeah, we totally agree. And we hope our listeners aren't shocked. We actually <laughs> talked about this in our first season is, is we went over, um, uh, songs of, um, Solomon. So, and we, so we talked about that and, and we also wanted to the, originally, one of the key reasons why we started the podcast is we had some questions about, um, masturbation and different types of sex that, um, kind of play into like Christian sex ethics. And so we, we wanted to talk about that, but, yeah. I, we recently had, um, or I guess I recently had someone who listened to one of our episodes. We had a sex therapist on the, the podcast and, um, this person who I was talking to was, has very strong opinions and, you know, everybody's entitled to their own, own opinions and, and just how maybe some of the things weren't for this one person. They didn't really like to hear some of, um, what was said but at the same time was, you know, truth is truth. Biology is biology. These things exist scientifically. There are bodies. We have different responses to different things that we see and touch and feel. And, um, and that part can't be refuted. So it's been really interesting talking with different people in Christian circles and outside of Christian circles with our listeners, just what they, what they think, but ultimately, you know, we can't refute what our, our bodies are biologically trained to do. Um, yeah. And so that kind of goes into what Lydia and I were wondering um, is, can you explain and perhaps really differentiate um, between intimacy and physicality? Mm. So do you want do you want me to answer that question specifically regarding sexuality or do you want me to allow intimacy to be bigger than sexuality? Um, I say allow it to be bigger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, so intimacy is a very big inclusive context con concept of connection. Okay. It's deep, thorough, connection. It's knowing and being known. And physicality is just a part of, of intimacy. You know, just like our, our bodies are um, very deeply entwined with our mind and our heart and our soul. And during this phase of eternity, if you will, um, they are there. You can't take them apart, right? But we also know that so much happens in our connection 
that isn't physical. I mean, just the facts that we that we text or the fact that you guys and I are probably in completely different states right now, mm-hmm. and yet we're still experiencing some sort of connection. That is more than physical. Very clearly, it's more than physical. All I can touch here is like my screen and my keys on my keyboard. Um, and you guys are probably the same way and you're in your own space, but we're still somehow connecting, which feels kind of miraculous and bizarre to me because I grew up before the internet. So <laughs> um, intimacy is the same way. We have all these other ways of connecting that are not necessarily physical. And in, in healthy systems, there is a connection between the physical and the mental, emotional, um, and those things kind of simultaneously develop most of the time. Um, but there are tons of contexts where that just can't happen. So, um, you know, I think of like long distance relationships, most of those long distance relationships are developed um, without any physicality at all, with these like momentary connection points, a hug or, um, you know, whatever. Um, But the physical pieces, a lot of times, I think, where, where my mind wants to go with this is that, if we push the physical pieces without the other pieces, you know, the mental, the emotional, um, a lot of people tend to frankly disassociate, which just means that you you consciously disconnect from your your body. So, and we see this in like trauma victims, right? If you If you talk to someone who's been through severe trauma, a lot of times they will even say, I was watching that happen to myself, you know, it was like, almost like I was on the ceiling watching it happen to myself. And if we've had some sort of sexual trauma in the past, there is a risk of repeating that traumatic experience if, if we don't stay co- connected with our mind and our emotions in the physical connection. So, and this is, it's really hard. I mean, it, that trauma response of disassociation is a survival instinct. And it's actually really healthy for people to survive, get into a relationship that you want to really fully connect with someone, unless you've done some trauma healing work and are really communicating with your partner as well about what's going on with you. It would be really easy to just disassociate and, and disconnect from the experience mentally and emotionally, even though physically your body obviously is staying there mm-hmm. and, and may even be playing out a role of um, that you are in, in, in there and enjoying it and whatever, you know, kind of the faking it experience. Um, and honestly, that's not good for you. And it's not good for your partner either. I mean, partners, I don't. I, there are very, I, I really have met very few men, maybe none, who would say, I really want my wife to just check out during sex. <laughs> you know, what they really want is for their wife to be in it, you know, in it with them, available emotionally, vulnerably, um, and enjoying it. I mean, I don't think they want you just putting up with what's happening. I think they want you engaged, involved. Um, and it's very hard and painful and rejecting to have their wife disconnect emotionally. So they don't, they don't want it either. And I'm, I'm sorry for phrasing this actually just female and male. It happens the other way around as the woman's very emotionally invested and the male has checked out and is just kind of going through the motions as well. So it's not just a female issue. Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's kind of what I think we want it in. You want something more than just 
physicality. You want the intimacy. And in order to get that, you have to do the emotional and the mental work that goes with intimacy rather than just physically practicing sex a lot. I'm actually curious now, do you think you can do physical things or like, I'll say like sexual physical things and have it just be physical and not like affect any other, I'll say like circles. Right. You know, Um, that, that's a good question. I, I, you know, there are plenty of people who practice sex in an incredibly physical way. Um, I don't, I don't know the research on this, so I, I want to be really careful and say this is just my opinion and not anything, I don't have any studies to back it up with, but um, the, the, like I said earlier, that the physical, the mental, emotional, psychological, it is all entwined. Mm-hmm. And so I, there isn't a way to completely take it apart. The brain is really good at helping you feel like you can take it apart um, because it's trying to protect you consciously from um, just constantly experiencing traumatic experiences. So, you know, it it is really good at, at disassociating. Like I definitely know people who can completely forget about physical things that have happened to them um, because their brain is so good at separating those things, but that doesn't mean that their body has forgotten. It doesn't mean that their mind has forgotten, which is more than your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to read more on that, uh, Carolyn Leaf is incredible about the mind versus the brain. Um, and so even if you're able to consciously feel like they're separate, I really believe that you keep those experiences with you and that they can affect you later, even if you really don't want them to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think just as the next question, how do people start to undo, I'll say like harmful thinking around sexuality and to start to think about it as good and like still honoring God? Yeah. So that is exactly why I wrote the workbook. <laughs> um, and it would be a great way for people to start, um, even if you don't feel comfortable doing it in a group or mm-hmm even with your spouse, it's something that you could do on your own. It has teaching videos that go with it. So you could, you know, read the book and be watching the videos at the same time and processing on your own or with a, with a therapist. Um, but I, I would say that there's like all these different pieces. The first thing you have to do is assess, right? Like assess, what do I have right now? You know, where am I at? What are the healthy things I have going on? What are the unhealthy things I have going on? And just where am I at personally Um, and identify what the wounds are. And there's so many good resources for that. You know, definitely if you grew up in purity culture, there's, I guarantee there's some damages there. Um, But honestly, like culture does a lot of damage wherever you are. So, you know, looking at what are the things that I believe about my body? What are the things that I believe about women? What are the things that I believe about sex? and where are the damage points? Where are the things that hurt when I think about them and talk about them? Um, and that's that helps you kind of identify the wounds. Um, and then I would go about looking at the truth. So, you know, and really I like the idea of science and the Bible being um, kind of going hand in hand as far as learning truth. So like learn some legitimate science about sex, (laughs) look it up. There's a million research studies at this point. Um, Like I said earlier, the great sex rescue by Sheila Gregory has a ton of legitimate data, um, scientific data on how people process sexuality. Um, 
you know, there's just a lot of great science out there. So dig into what's actually true. This is what I think is true. What's actually true, you know? Um, and then with the Bible, look at, you, you need to, you need to read your Bible and I, that's so big and broad, but if you do not know your Bible and understand God's word and how he reveals himself through his word, it's going to be really hard for you to combat some lies that you've heard or some misinformation that you've heard in church. Um, it's going to be really hard for you to hold your pastor accountable um, to good scholarship. Um, I love to have a pastor. I love to have a teacher, but they're not gods. Um, they make mistakes too, and they're also influenced by culture. So I don't believe that any one of them is solely responsible for my accurate biblical scholarship. I also need to be reading my Bible. I need to be studying and need to be connecting with other believers so that we have a broad picture of what the Bible actually tells us um, about who God is instead of just swallowing some of those, I would say, Christian subculture mantras um, about sex and sexuality. I need to be able to know if those are true or not true. Uh, Brandy, something we love to do with all of our guests is love to ask them for resources. Feel free to plug all of your stuff now or give us some more recommendations for our listeners. Sure, sure. So, I mean, Everything I've said today is at some point referencing the workbook that I wrote, um, and it's called The Truth About Holy Sex, a workbook for people who love Jesus and want to love sex. So that's exactly what it's designed to do, is to help you learn accurate truth about sex, about God, about culture, um, to understand those things well, and to help you become healthy. So to support your health and healing in regards to sexuality, and honestly, in regards to biblical scholarship, that's really important to me. So um, it does confront a few commonly misused passages and understandings um, that I heard growing up, growing up and still here in my office sometimes. Um, so that's my first my first recommendation, and I've, I've probably said most of them throughout the podcast, but I've already told you I love Esther Perel. I love Sheila Gregory. I love um, Foreplay Radio for um, Christian couples. <clears throat> so I love all of those. And then I, I also just like have a million recommendations in the back of my, <laughs> in the back of my workbook, because I love to refer people on as well. Well, thank you so much, Brandy, for being on the podcast and just talking about sex, sexuality, holy sexuality, and all of that jazz. Um, if anyone would like to find her, you can find her website at ittakesabreath.com. And you can find her on Instagram and TikTok at brandyk.harris. Um, and if you just want to search her in general, she's Brandy K. Harris, and then it's MSLPC and LMFT. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. And as always, if anyone has any questions, comments, or concerns, concerns, they can either DM us or email us at theholyship.podcast or theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.